Welcome to Two Guys, One Book, where two friends tackle their reading list one book at a time. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Guys, One Book. I am Brian, and I'm joined by Tim, my co-host, Tim. And this week, we are talking about The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak. Mm-hmm. You think that's how it's pronounced? Zusak. Zusak. Yeah. And this is a novel um, about a book thief, clear and simple. Um, <laughs> but no, it's about a little girl who is uh, taken to foster parents in, during World War II and uh, her adventures in this German town, because they are German. Um, and it's just, uh, and then we'll, so I, I, we can dive deep into it deeper in a little bit later, but, um, it's a book that I've been meaning to read for a long time because I've heard good things about it, uh, from a variety of sources. So, um, I think it lived up to my expectation. Um, but yeah, Tim, what did you think of, what were what, did you have any impressions coming, going into it? So going into it, I was a little bit uh, maybe apprehensive because feel like I'm just saying, you know, preconceived judgments, because when you think about like World War Two type books, uh, books with the Holocaust being kind of the setting, um, you know, you just go into it thinking, okay, this is going to be really heavy. This is going to be depressing potentially formulaic in the sense that it's just going to hammer all these like sad things at you. But I will say overall impression on reading this book, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was phenomenal. And wow. this, this is probably one of my favorite books of all time now. <gasps> I'm serious. Whoa, are you for yeah. real? I'm a hundred percent for real. Like top 10. Wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Cause I really, I really liked it too. You did? I, oh, yeah, absolutely. I loved it. I mean, I, I you know, you know, I, I think it, it I was a, a little nervous about the hype that I heard about it before reading it. But I think it lives up to that and exceeds it. And I mean, for me personally, my favorite part of the whole book is that the narrator is death. That's OK. That's so funny. That's your favorite part, because for me, that was like my least favorite part. <laughs> The reason is because I, okay, I want to know when you first realized that because I literally had to read like the entire book before getting to it. What? Seriously? I know. It's like, yeah. It's like, well, all right. So I think I may have heard, I may have heard you that. You spark it. Yeah, no, no, I did not spark note it. I don't spark note anything, Tim. I read the material. I the original. notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. But no, I think it's pretty much in early on when he talks about the colors and collecting souls. Yeah. I mean, when he talks about collecting souls, how do you not think about death? It's just, okay. I just have a problem with books like that sometimes that I feel like they're trying to be too artistic with the narration. And it's like, I was like, you could kind of see maybe it's a character who hasn't been introduced yet, or it's, you know, the main character in some abstract form of thought. Like, for me, you know, sometimes I don't like admitting it, but I just want to be spoon fed this <laughs> freaking <laughs> narrative. Like, I, think I don't want to feel I think this artistic. Any, yes. I think if anybody has listened to this po- any more than two or episodes of this our, our podcast, they would know that Tim does not like artistic nuanced uh, uh, symbols. Tell me what or, I need to know. Yeah, 
Tell, tell me, me why what, I should care. What? Why does Ahab want to kill the whale? It's not <laughs> anything. Just tell me why he wants to kill it. Get on with it, Hemingway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I should get better at appreciating the no, nuances. I mean, but I, th- I think you make a valid point, though, because I think sometimes I would say even the literary world maybe within itself can get a little too caught up in the whole artistic aspect of it that sometimes it leaves the average person wanting more, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a reason why, like, uh, who are those pop uh, authors that just turn out books all the time? David Baldacci or... or John Grisham or what's the other one I'm thinking of anyway. Um, but, you know, those guys, the reason they're so popular is because, like, they just have a formula. They tell a story. It's a compelling story and people like to read them. You know, they're not taking a lot of creative risks or breaking the mold. They're just kind of yeah. sticking to a like, a, yeah, classic formula. Right. And that's what the people want at times, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. I think, you know. First and foremost, everyone, everyone's own, um, you know, preferences are valid. You know, you can like what you like. But, yeah. Um, my my only point is like I think any artist and any, and any person in general can get kind of like, you know, maybe carried away sometimes with their creative idea and maybe too in love with it that they can't be objective about it. And 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 I appreciate what he was trying to do, and I started to get into it more, like especially towards the end. But it's just something that take a little getting used to, I guess. Yeah. And so did you actually read a hard copy of this book? I did, actually, because the funny thing, it's the book thief, and I found it at one of those little free libraries. So <laughs> in a sense, I am the book thief. No, I'm just kidding. It was <laughs> <laughs> Those are free. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a very – I think this is the perfect book to put in one of those free libraries. Exactly. I want to, like, put it back out there, but I kind of want to keep it, too. <laughs> Sorry, you could put it back out there and buy your own copy. Or you could buy a copy and, and set put that new one out there. Yeah, the I want to gift it to someone for sure, because I think everyone should read this book. Yeah. I mean, because like the little free libraries, I mean, honestly, the mayor's wife in the book, Ilsa Herman, is basically has her own little free library that she leaves the window open. For, yeah. So is it Lysel? Lysel, right? Lysel, yeah. Lysel gets, comes in. The, the main character is Lysel Memminger, and she steals different books throughout the the novel um but mainly she goes sneaks into the mayor's house through an open window that the mayor's wife leaves open for her and so that's where she gets most of her books and the mayor wife knows she's doing this so she lets her have books the mayor's wife is a pretty interesting character and i know we'll talk about like all the main characters in a bit but um because i think she's kind of like in the nazi party and she's kind of has to go along with with that whole um movement and everything but at the same time she like lets Lysel kind of break in and read these books and she's ultimately like supportive of, of Lysel and and uh I guess spreading knowledge and that kind of thing so and that's the thing in general like I think this book kind of humanizes a lot of Germans who may or may not have supported the Nazi party either like you know outrightly or tacitly and um yeah just like humanizing everyone on all ends of of the spectrum right I think that's an interesting point because I think, you know, history was a long time ago and the Nazis were just so bad that you just think that like everyone kind of was brainwashed or wrapped up with German nationalism that they just kind of went along with it. But you're right that there's got to be those human stories out there that really happened in Germany where people 
were caught in a scenario where they had to toe the line, maybe kind of similar to how they are in China nowadays with the Communist Party in China. But, um, but you know, how they felt like everyone was watching what they did. And so they had to be the good citizen and, and cheer for the party and the country, even when they might have been ashamed about what was going on. Yeah, and I think Liesl's, like, foster dad is the perfect example because he had so much humanity and ultimately he had to kind of, like, Heil Hitler here and there just to, like, protect his family and, like, not get them in danger. Um, so, yeah, what, what was Liesl's situation early on? Like, her family had, like, can you, do you want to explain that? Yeah, yeah, I can explain it. I mean, essentially... Uh, we don't know the details of how her father disappeared, but her father is gone, Lysel's father, mm-hmm. and um, and they talk about be him being a communist at some point. And she didn't she she brought up that word as like she didn't know what it meant, but she heard it spoken about her father. And then her mother, her younger her brother, and Lysel all uh, are trying to, I guess. It's not clear like if they're traveling to the foster family. I think they are, yeah, because Liesl's mother is going to give them to a foster family because she can't take care of them, and so that they're safer, too. They'll be safer with a foster family. Um, but then her brother dies in the train in the snow in, in winter on their way to the foster family, and then she gets sent to um, – oh, what's it? On Himmel Street is the street where she lives with Hans and Rosa Huberman. Mm-hmm. And Hans Huberman plays the accordion and smokes uh, many cigarettes and is a painter as well. He paints houses. Uh, Rosa's uh, <laughs> violent, well, not violent, just a very tough uh, foster mother, but she loves Liesl. Yeah. Uh, you know and- what that, their relationship reminded me of is, um, have you ever seen Fiddler on the Roof? I've seen the play a long time ago. Okay, their dynamic just reminded me a lot of the main characters, like um, the dad and the mom, because the mom would be kind of like aggressive and the dad was just kind of like happy-go-lucky. But uh, ultimately, like, you know, she loved him and they were like, yeah, good people. Yeah. But yeah, so she stays with these foster parents and then she has to make friends in they're in they're in on the outskirts of Munich, right? Munich, I think. Yeah. Like mulching. Yeah, mulching. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, so it's about her interactions with her other, uh, you know, kids in the neighborhood and their parents and neighbors and whatnot. Um, and it's just really well done because they talk about playing soccer in the street or, um, you know, she befriends a, na- a boy named Rudy Steiner and they talk, they get in a bunch of shenanigans. Um, and she gets there around 1939, I think. And then the book goes through 1943. Um, so good four plus years and they talk about her birthday coming and going and Christmas coming and going and getting very little things, but still being able to live a somewhat normal life, even while the war uh, ramps up. Um, and then they talk about bombing raids from the allies. And so uh, there's soldiers. Oh, well, first let me, how can I forget Max Vandenberg? This is okay. We're talking about a lot. They're covering a lot of yeah. ground, right? So yeah, maybe we can just like step through it a little bit. Um, sure. So what I would consider this is like a classic like coming of age story. Would you say so? Yes, that's a good way to describe it. Yeah, I must admit that I don't. If 
if I am looking into a book and the description is a coming of age story, I am not, that doesn't make me want to read it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, or whatever. Like, I understand that coming of age stories are popular, but for me, it's not really one that I gravitate towards. So I find it interesting that I like this one so much because I think you're right. And I, and that's something, that's a phrase I don't really think about when, I, when I'm reading a book that I really like, but you're right. This is 100% a coming of age story. And and I think I the author deserves credit for not making that too over the top because like you said like I think a lot of authors are just trying to push that you know theme so strongly that it's just like in your face but it's coming of age without strictly being that and it's World War II without being you know a World War II novel it's mm-hmm. it's something I really like about the book is that he kind of like you know plays with the different genres and themes without being too uh, set in one or the other. So, so what was your favorite part before we talk more about like the characters and stuff? Because for me, it was the characters. Oh yeah. So you just, I thought, okay, when you, when somebody says favorite part of a book, I think of instant. I initially, I when someone says what's like your favorite event. part of the book, I think of events and, yeah. and parts of the story. But I agree with you that the characters of this book are so rich and and you know enjoyable that they just draw you in. Did you have a favorite character? I think it has to be Hans Huberman for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite character because I felt like he was he was he was written with such depth and he was conflicted about the Nazi party and he sheltered Max Vandenberg, who was a Jew, in their basement. And even though unfortunately their basement was too shallow to be considered a bomb shelter, so no one they didn't have to worry about people coming in their basement from their neighbors and whatnot, but and then he did so many things for Liesl to help her survive in the world mm-hmm. that I I feel like we're we're caring and wise, but but still ultimately trying to protect her from you know the Nazi um, party in general. Yeah, and it's all the things he did throughout the book, like staying up with Liesl when she would have nightmares about her brother like dying and seeing that like. He, he was always just kind of there and he would help read read to her and help her learn to read and and write and that kind of thing. And that just was so big in her development as a character. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. He helped her learn to read. And I guess, yeah, he's by far my favorite character. And I think the my favorite part was when they talked about like they talk about the the ups and downs of of Liesl's life um, in Mulching and on Himmel Street. But then there was that summer of 1942 when things were actually going okay for them. Like mm-hmm. Hans was taking, because he Hans got some jobs painting some rooms in the some of the richer families' homes that summer, and he would take Liza along, and then they would paint and you know eat lunch on sitting on paint cans, and he would get out his accordion and play the accordion. And I think the author did such a good job of just creating a vivid image for me in my mind of them of foster father and foster daughter just you know enjoying their company and making them the most of this overall bleak situation because he was working for like cigarettes he wasn't even working for money yeah right it was it you know there was no in in a situation where there's no reason to have joy yet hans and lysel still have joy and he would just play the accordion all the time and like yeah, cheer yeah. her up and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So, what about you, Tim? Did you have a favorite character? Oh, 
you know, it's tough, but I think Rudy was such a great character because the dynamic between Lizel and Rudy, it's like you think about like two kids, boy and a girl who kind of grew up together and like in their adolescence and stuff. And there's always kind of this tension of like they're friends and maybe they're kind of like have a crush on each other, like a childhood crush. Um, and he's always trying to get a kiss from her, which is just really cute. <laughs> and he's always like he like jumped into a river to save a book for her because he knows she wanted this book. Like stuff like that, I thought was pretty cute. So yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, Rudy's a great character too. I love the fact that he 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 put he smudged his skin like what he took like black soot or something made his skin all black because he wanted to be like Jesse Owens. Right. I thought I thought that was a nice part. That's the thing, and yeah, throughout this book, she talks about like, or from Liesl's perspective, how the power of words and Hitler has kind of whipped everyone up to this fervor and like thinking so crazy. And then uh, she talks about how words can also be like for good and all that. And like how that's just a running theme throughout the book that I think was really well done. And it was a little jarring, though, that like, yeah, they would have the good times and it's realistic, right? Like you go through good times, bad times, up and down. And then they would foreshadow like and then this character is going to die in like a matter of months. And you're like, oh, geez, like that came out of nowhere. Yeah, Yeah, I know. And I think that was so, so good because I think you're right. Like it, it, it. Throughout the whole book, it goes ups and downs. There's good times, there's bad times, and everything in between. And like, even when there's a a good thing, he he he. That's why I like death being the narrator, because death is the omniscient narrator, where he knows, like, oh, it's a shame, it's a shame, Rudy's gonna die later, but you know, <laughs> he's not gonna like, yeah, he's not gonna die now, but he'll die later, and it was kind of a shame. But I, yeah. yeah, I think that's why I struggle with it's like when I think of death, I think of like this evil force that's coming, but it's like death is more just like this neutral fact of life, like as a narrator, like at the end, he's sort of just like, he's more observant rather than having this negative connotation, right? Like, just like, here's the facts of what are happening. But I think the author does a good point job of having death be the narrator, but it's not the overwhelming dark death. Cause like he gives the na- death tries to say like, Oh, I have a heart too. Like I'm not, I'm not the hooded figure with the scythe that you think I am. Or yeah. That kind of yeah. Those That's what comes to mind is like the classic yeah. depiction. So what's my most common critique with books? Too long. Yeah. Do you think this is one of the longest books you read? Um, it's a, I, it is above average, but it is not super long. It, Okay, it is like 540 pages. So I would yeah. say, apart from that Cormac McCarthy book, probably the longest book we've read. I don't think the Cormac McCarthy book was the longest one. What what would be longer than this one? Um, the Wind Up Bird Chronicle. Okay, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I did not. So regardless. That one, that one was like 700 pages. So. <laughs> was it really? Okay. Yeah. Well, regardless, the point I'm trying to make is I did not feel like this is too long. I felt like he's such a good writer and the words just flowed so well. The characters are so good. And it's just over this progression of time that you're still engaged throughout it. So I just was impressed by his ability to keep the story flowing. Yeah, me too, because I was I was kind of leafing through it, reviewing, you know, the different things that happen and, and whatnot. And I was surprised at how much happened in the first part of the book because i felt like that the rest was just kind of like to me it was like lysel gets to himmel street 
and with Hans and Rosa, mm-hmm. and then Max shows up, and then it's like boom. The rest is like, but like Max shows up in like the first third of the book. Like I think I feel like the last two thirds just fly by because you're so so invested in the characters and so engrossed in the story. Yeah, and which is not a good storytelling. Exactly, and yeah, just going off that like you know. I don't consider myself a very emotional person. I have this, you know, German background where you, you just have to repress everything. But I'm not going to lie, I teared up a few times throughout this book. So yeah. it, it definitely yeah. feels like your What did it for you? I mean, just like Liesl and Rudy's dynamic and Hans and Liesl, you know, the foster dad and her, their relationship and just, you know, what ultimately happens to everyone, like, and not to give away any spoilers, but I'm sure we have already, so... Yeah. 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 So ultimately, like at the end of the book, I yes, the end of the book is very. Oh, my goodness. I mean, like I just devoured that those last sections because. You just want to know what happens because there's all this foreshadowing. And I think the author does a good job of, like you said, just kind of throwing little tidbits in there, uh, foreshadowing of the fate of the different people. Um, and then when it's actually happening, it's like, oh, my goodness, the deaths are sad and, and emotional. and you just want to find out what happens to Lysol and make sure she's okay. And then you find out that Max makes it too through, which through is, all that. I think yeah, good. which is interesting because you would think he's the least likely to survive. He's on his way to this like concentration camp. And then somehow, uh, that, I guess, you know, like the Allied troops had come and the war had ended at that point. Um, so he was reunited with Lysol. But the, like, all her friends and family in that neighborhood died basically. But she survived because she was in the basement during the bombing and um you know writing her her book right 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 so yeah after yeah because max they max hides out in their basement but then they have but hans uh draws the ire of the nazi party so they feel like they have to um he has to move on because the nazi party will be showing up at the door soon and they do and they send hans away so max is gone hans is gone it's just lysol and, and rosa there and she keeps reading, keeps reading, and then Hans eventually tells her something, you know, like she can, or she, she just figures, you know, she can use her own words to, to, oh, I think it was the mayor's wife that said Liesl was a good writer. She yeah, write. she gave her, like, a journal or something, and then she started writing. Right, and then so she's in the basement writing, in the journal, writing her own story when the bombing happens in the middle of the night that kills most, the whole neighborhood. But I tell you, another another emotional part for me was when um, through throughout the book, there would be different instances when Nazi soldiers would uh, uh, push a, 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 a troop of Jews through town on, and marching them to Dachau, the mm-hmm. concentration camp. And every time a new batch of Jews would march through the town, Liesl would... Uh, run over to see him everyone in town would see him because it's like oh look what's going on um but liza would be specifically looking for max and then one time when they're marching through she finds max and that mm-hmm. whole scene is just because she runs up to him and the nazi soldiers pulling her away and then she circles around and runs up into the into the group again and then you know she gets whipped and rudy's running out there to help her and, and just that whole that whole part is is yeah is yeah. yeah. Well, it's a it's such a mixture of emotions because like she's like relieved to see that Max is alive, but also just horrified that he's like 
in this group of you know suffering people that are heading to like their fate presumably um and but at the same time he's trying to save her and push her away even though he's happy to see her and rudy's trying to save her it's just a really tough situation yeah Yeah. max i think is another good character because they talk about his how oh yeah max's character reminded me of the movie the pianist have you ever seen that one you know i know that movie with adrian brody but i haven't seen it all the way through no oh it's a great movie yeah. It really is. I mean, he does great. He won the Best Actor Oscar for that, and he wasn't really that well known and, beforehand. And he kissed Halle Berry. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yes. So I mean, I just he, uh, Adrian Brody plays a Jewish pianist, a real Jewish pianist that actually survived the Holocaust. Um, and his how he was smuggled from, like, hideout to hideout and that kind of thing. And so I just had um, that helped me get a clear vision of Max, just the waiting. And I think I like in the book how Lysol observes that Max can sleep. And when he breathes, there's no sound because he's just he's just that fight or flight thing where he's just hiding all the time. He just is make, tries to make as little noise as possible. Yeah, like it's all about survival. And I think also too tough from his perspective is like, he's had he had to leave his family in order to like survive and like all the people who just like at the end of the day it's that human instinct that just like i have to do what i can to like survive and then you have to live with like that guilt of leaving behind your family and it's just hard to imagine you know oh i cannot yeah no i can never imagine the kind of guilt that would weigh on somebody who who survives uh through the acts of kindness and generosity of other people who might not all the t- time make it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking about Max, like, I think his character was so great, too, because he talked about how the author talked about how Max was like this fighter as a kid. And he was kind of like he was malnourished and stuff. So he's having hallucinations in their basement when they're hiding him about like fighting Hitler and stuff in the boxing ring. And then, you know, uh, he writes these little stories for Lysel too. And it's just like. He has so much, yeah, humanity packed into this one character who is only like a portion of the book, kind of small portion at the end of the day, but still is a really important character too. Right, right. Yeah, I agree. Very important character. I definitely liked the mayor's wife too. I thought she was a cool character, even though she didn't really say much at all. Yeah, yeah. I had, you know, I feel like he intentionally kind of kept her a little bit like under uh, developed as a character, you know? Mm-hmm. And it kind of kept it a little ambiguous. Like, I guess her son had died, so she was kind of in this constant state of, like, disassociated a little bit and kind of out of it. But, again, trying to, like, support Lysel and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. And then um, I also liked their neighbor. Um, oh, yeah. Hotzhaffel Hot, Hot, Hot or something? Hotzfeld. Something um, like that. Yeah. She, she would always spit on their door. Like, because of some old grudge that no, you don't even know why, right? Yeah, yeah. But then but then eventually she softens up a little bit because she hears Lysel reading one time in the bomb shelter. And then she comes over and says, I'll give you my coffee rations if Lysel comes over and reads with me twice a week or something like that. Yeah. No, I like so, that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, a, just a minor character, like a next-door neighbor evolves in this book because like you know you think it's just a minor character but then we learn that she has two sons that are fighting and then one of the sons comes home with an injured hand but the other son has died 
Mm-hmm. And so she's in a constant state of grief now. And her son that's home is, you know, is wounded, so he can't fight anymore. But he's dealing with the, you know, the thought of like, you know, I'm alive, but my brother isn't. And then even one one night when the uh, air raid sirens are going off in on Himmel Street and everyone's going to the the neighboring house for a bomb shelter, mm-hmm. uh, Mrs. Baffle or the neighbor, the woman, the mother st- wants to just stay in the house because she's like, screw it. I'm not, I'm not going to hide anymore. I'm, I'm ready to die. Right. And this, the son goes to the bomb shelter. And in that, and I think the author does such a great job of writing that scene because the son then feels guilty for wanting to still be alive after everything he's gone through. Yeah. But, but then that guilt just consumes him because then later then he hangs himself. Right. And it's just that whole arc with the neighboring family is, is tragic as well. Yeah. That reminded me of, of Max, just like the guilt that he was feeling where just trying to survive, even though his family, you know, he, that was out of his control. What, what would happen to them? Characters, or did you did you want to say something else about some of the characters or whatnot? Um, I just had a general point that, which is like, I think what really helped this book is just the sense of humor that was kind of interweaved throughout, because it is such like heavy stuff. Um, but like little things, like, oh man, what what was a funny moment in this book? Okay, so like a side character, like Tommy Mueller, right? Yeah. yeah. So he had like he had like hearing loss or something, and he would like kind of twitch. And so at, like, the Hitler Youth, like, camp, they thought he was, like, mocking the instructor, like, falling out of step on purpose or just not good at it. So he had to, like, do all this extra work and running and stuff. So, like, little things like that, I think, helped uh, keep things light here and there. Yeah, definitely. I think that was a good good addition, too. Yeah. Or, like, when Liesl beats up people. Uh, somebody calls her stupid because she can't. She ha- she's still learning to read. And then she beats him up after class. And then I think Tommy Mueller's the one that like is like smiling as he's watching her beat this boy up. Yeah. And she thinks he he's Tommy's smiling because he's enjoying watching the boy get beat up. But Liesl thinks he's laughing at her. So then right. he, she starts beating him up too. <laughs> right. He's just kind of like this silly yeah. sad character. It's always yeah. got the the yeah. and stuff. Yeah, that was yeah. good. Yeah. All right. So. Your favorite part were the characters. Was there anything else that you really enjoyed? I mean, you felt like the overall, I, from, from what I hear you say, is you feel like the author did a good job of crafting the story and 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 making it about a. It's a World War II book, but not consumed by World War II. It's a coming in age story, but it doesn't fall the, into all the tropes of having romantic interests and other stuff that coming in age stories have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like, I just think it's so well done that it doesn't fit the mold of any specific thing. Like, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's how else I would describe it. What how else would you say you you thought about this book? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's very character driven, which I don't which I think is a good thing. You know, Um, sometimes character driven can be like um, 100 years of solitude. Right. I, you think I would call that character driven, right? Remember that one with the it was like magical realism, but it had all these characters that were, um, you know, yeah, elements to them. That one, I just remember it being kind of hard to follow what was going on. And maybe I think that's it was awesome. just a lot. Yeah. And I think, no, I think 100 Years of Solitude is, is beautifully written, but it was it's very um, anecdotal in the little stories that you you're not really sure how certain stories 
contribute to the larger whole. But I feel like th- with the book thief, very um, well developed characters that all contribute to the telling of the story. Right. And, yeah, they've all got their role contributing uh, one way or the other. And there are like people with kind of bad qualities, people with good qualities, and then, you know, also showing both sides here and there throughout. And yeah, I didn't I didn't enjoy I did very much enjoy the very end where because the end of the book is the bombing of Himmel Street and Liesl surviving, but the rest of the neighborhood does not. And then the very, very end is death then talks about he eventually collected his or he he, he visited or collected um, Liesl's soul then many le- years later or he said just yesterday i think he, as an old woman lysol survives and and lived in australia and had you know so many kids, kids. And, yeah 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 i kind of like that like it like a lot of times I, i'm okay if an author or story just kind of ends and we don't really know what happens to the characters afterwards mm. but but sometimes i do like knowing when when i'm so invested in some characters i do want to know what happens you know what i mean right no it's great to imagine her just like going on to like have a good life and obviously have to like survive all these traumas she's witnessed and people she's loved dying but you know being able to like have a family and live to an old age i think it's it's nice to like end on that kind of happy note right right i agree yeah but yeah it's crazy i mean my so your did your grandparents fight in World War Two or I guess no. you're like Mennonite, so it's kinda like well, Right. Know. So correct. So my grandpa did a like a service program uh in America where he went to Pennsylvania and helped out in some way that would that was instead of being drafted and going or going to war okay yeah Yeah, i just bring it up because like yeah my two grandfathers fought when they were like probably 19 or something and i didn't really like know them growing up but um well i mean yeah they had like i think passed away when i was born or like just a child but Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's just hard to imagine that it's just like you know two generations ago that all this was happening because it sounds so like horrific just what people were experiencing and you know, not just her experience, you know, depicted in the book. I'm sure, I'm sure variations of that all around the world at the time, you know, being a world war, uh, whether mm-hmm. it's in like parts of Europe um, or, you know, wherever. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's just kind of hard to believe. And I think the lesson, the big takeaway for me is just like, yeah, again, the power of words and like how people can be so swept up and like just the, I don't know what you call that, just the fervor, right? Like, yeah. Like, um, like words can create a momentum of mm-hmm. emotions and, and, uh, a collective energy among a group of people that, um, can lead groups of people to do, you know, very bad things as, right. a, as the Nazis show. But I would like to also hope that the same momentum of words can be channeled in a positive direction to help get people to do good things. Mm-hmm. 
So it's just, I think you're right. Like, you know, collectively people have the power to do wonderful and amazing and, and at times haunting things. And how do you get people to get motivated to do stuff? You do, you use language, you use words, you use, um, you know, you communicate uh, through with a powerful message to try, try to get people to coalesce around an idea. Um, and yeah, that can be a very powerful thing. Yeah, but you know what's funny is how much I think we take for granted how accessible books are and stuff. Because like when you think about Liza in the story, she's like constantly just trying to get her hands on one book. And it's like, you know, such a stressful, like hard situation. And then when she sees the mayor's wife's like study in the office, she just like runs her fingers along all the book stems and yeah. she's just like in paradise. So, you know, just, yeah, we I think we do take it for granted, like having access to like, you know, different knowledge, perspectives and all that. Right. Right. Agreed. Agreed. Was there um, was there anything that you would change about the book or maybe you didn't? I mean, like, it sounds like you really liked it, Tim. So I'm very pleased. But like, we always kind of talk about this, too. Like, if yeah. there's anything. <laughs> How could it be better, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's, you know, I think for me, again, it was hard, like, wrapping my head around that death as a narrator and and my depiction of death coming into this as the scythe bearing, you know, hooded Dementor, dude. <laughs> it's just, you know, a whole different. It's all that baggage of yeah. what I've seen. And, but gotcha. what what would yeah. you want di- differently? Oh man, that is an excellent question. I don't know. I feel like this is very well done for what. Um, I feel like the author really um, did a good job of telling the story he wanted it to tell. Mm-hmm. Like the book, the book. The hard book, uh, I got the paperback version that has like little things in the back that talk about he has little notes about how he he did think about maybe making Lysol the, the first person narrator. And it just didn't quite have the same tone that he wanted or he right. thought about doing uh, he thought about doing a third person narrator. And he said that wasn't quite the, right either. So. I, I really enjoyed the death as the narrator. I felt like that was very creative. And, and honestly, that's probably my favorite part of the book. But um, what it could be better, gosh, I don't know. Maybe people live. Maybe more people live. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's, it's kind of like a, a sad book for a reason. See, I like that, you know, I mean, obviously, I don't like that people died. But, like, it gives it a little more, like, emotional weight, I think, that, um, you know, that all these people she loved did ultimately die at the end and just kind of, I don't know. It's, it's tempting. I think for all authors to just give that easy, happy ending for their stories. Right. Right. Yeah. True. Um, and see, that's just it. Like I, I guess I just in general struggle to be able to pinpoint what would make me like a book more. And I think that's partly because I am not a writer (laughs) and partly because I just like to, to take the book that the authors put out and assess it for what it is. We can segue into uh, rating time if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. We can do that. Uh, I was just going to say too, I think, you know, it's hard because if you were going to change something according to how you think it would be better, if it were different then at 
then at that point it's not the author's book anymore because like they obviously wrote it like how they intended and how they wanted it to be and like thought it through very thoroughly you know and he wrote this book over like three years he said in the yeah in the back so um so yeah i mean everyone's got their opinion but honestly of all the books we've read this is like the least one i feel like i'm like i wish they changed something about it so take that wow. for what it's worth yeah nice man that's great yeah so great okay. pick. and oh no, uh, good i'm glad you liked yeah. it yeah i think that was i think that was there a movie made or like a tv movie made of this there was a um, movie made but it didn't get great reviews from what i've seen like jeffrey rush was in it i don't know Oh wow! Pirates of the Caribbean. Huh. Oh really? That's the that's <laughs> the first movie you think of when you think of well, Jeffrey what else Rush. Has he been in? I don't know. Shine. He won yeah. the Oscar for Shine. Nobody's seen it. About. <laughs> it's about he plays a guy with um a pianist that has um I think mental. Oh, with Adrian Brody. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yes. Okay. So, so I think they need to make an updated movie of this, and I think it could because I was visualizing all these things he's talking about. I'm like, this would be a great movie. Aside, apart from I know everyone would be disappointed at the end when all these great characters die. But yeah, yeah, but I think you're right. I think there's so many. I think the author does such a good job of painting such a vivid picture a lot of the times that I think any film filmmaker would have a heyday with this, you yeah. know, or feel a field day. They would have a field day with this. Make <laughs> <laughs> a heyday, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I would do for a reboot. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, they're remaking everything nowadays, right? So. Yeah, if they're gonna spend all this money on like a Lord of the Rings update, like. Let's or do like a, a redo, a redoing West Side Story. But anyway, yeah. all right, Tim. So we both liked it. But what do you? What is, what's your rating gonna be? Gonna be five. It's gonna be a five out of ten. I'm just kidding. Five out of five is perfect. (laughs) Yeah, we always do our ratings out of five and no half stars. I'm I'm gonna give it a four. Boo! I know. (laughs) Sorry, Tim. Because I'm realizing if death wasn't the narrator, I don't think I'd give it a five. You know, so. With death being the narrator, I liked it more, yes, but like, I just, I don't know. And that's just it. Like, I can't really pinpoint why it's not a five for me. Maybe because, like, I just it's can't. Hard do to, it. Yeah, it's hard to articulate sometimes. I mean, sometimes you either just yeah. like something or don't like it as much as someone else. And, like, that's right. normal. I've always been drawn to, like, coming of age stories, too, though. Huh? It's okay. Thing, so, yeah. That's my bias. But it's pretty rare that I rate a one higher than you, that you picked. You know, that's yes. pretty rare. Like, and vice versa. It is rare. I think this, that's true. Because of the ones I pick, they're normally ones I'm really wanting to read. And this was one of them. They're normally ones, is all I heard. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Get it? Oh, okay. That was bad, Jim. Feel free to add that up, yeah. Okay. But yeah, yeah. No, great pick. Very much right, enjoyed good. it. Thank you. I'm glad you did. I I enjoyed it too. Um, yeah. So um, yeah. What are we reading next? Tim? What is next? Let me check. Uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas yeah. Adams. Another and you picked this one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to reading this one. I've never read this. Uh, yeah. I think it'll be a great read. I'm looking forward yeah. to it as well. 
Definitely. The comedy sci-fi. I keep saying that should be a genre that more people should write. Like, finally. Yeah. Comedy and comedy dystopian, right? Comedy dystopian sci-fi. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That should have so much more content. It's very. Yeah. I'm calling it right now. In the next like ten years, it's gonna be like a funny Black Mirror, and like those are gonna be the norm. <laughs> I would not. I would. I would watch that. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. Yeah. See? The, the demand is there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So in the meantime, everybody, go to twoguysonebook.com, all written out, twoguysonebook.com, and you can leave your comments for The Book Thief and tell us how great, how much you liked it, or you can comment on The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and tell us what we're in store for, and we'll share your comments if you write anything good. <laughs> if and only if. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So until next time, keep reading. Keep reading.